When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we go. Jackson over the middle, caught by Hollywood Brown. See you later. Hollywood to the house. Jackson, the spin and toss. Ingram makes a man miss. Diving. Touchdown. Russell Wilson's first pass to Metcalf. And Metcalf had it, lost it, and is picked up by the Ravens. And running in is Marlon Humphrey for the touchdown. There's a second down and three. Jackson checks it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles. Now he's got an entourage. And he's got a touchdown. He is Houdini. What a play. 47 yard. Touchdown run by the magical quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Raven. A somber episode. A lot of things to talk about. I'm going to try to stay upbeat. Try to b- bounce off my, my co-hosts here as we get into this latest Ravens game. A loss. A regular season loss. For the first time in a long time, falling at home to the Kansas City Chiefs, 34-20. Back to reality for this team in in a lot of ways as as to how good they they can be or or they're going to be or what echelon of team are they in the AFC. But i got to introduce my co-hosts before we get started here. I'm Antonio Barbera, joined on the East Coast, D.C., by Tim Horsey. Tim, how's it going? I mean, I can't even believe you asked that question to start this. It's not going well. I've been in, I've been in crisis for as we record this, twenty-one hours now, twenty-two hours. Um, I thought it was getting a little better, and then I saw your lovely faces and realized that the day of reckoning has has come. That we have to talk about this, something that I've been dreading since the game kicked off. Really? Uh, so, you know, I can't even lie to you, Antonio. We're, we're close. I am doing horribly today. It's, it is the fourth time in the history of Pod Like a Raven that we've had to come on here and talk about a loss. We're and spoiled. we've done 45-plus episodes. Yeah, so it's tough. Uh, Jace Evans on the West Coast. Uh, staying alive over there? How you yeah, doing? Yeah, kind of the same. Uh, first uh, regular season loss for the Ravens in nearly a year, I believe, if not almost a full year. Uh, 
So that's annoying. Uh, and like Tim, uh, I spent my post-Ravens game eating way too much Wendy's and uh, listening to a bunch of Joy Division. So, you know, I'm doing well. <laughs> I'm trying my best to hang in there, but uh, definitely have had better days. So, but uh, I think talking to you all will uh, help uh, get our feelings out of what we just witnessed uh, on Monday Night Football. We're going to have a lot to say. There's a lot of things to talk about in this specific game. A lot of emotions. Uh, The first note that I put at the top to go over is that it just seemed like a game... First of all, it was a game that was so overly hyped that got us so excited. And then that's part of the reason that we've just had such a steep come down in terms of emotion and being upset. Just a regular season game. They're 2-1. and They're going to be okay. But just overall, this seemed like a game where when the offense did something good, the defense immediately slipped up. Or when the defense did something good, the offense immediately went three and out or had a turnover. Just could not get the team sort of moving in the right direction at the same time. Going to do a quick recap here and we'll uh, address some questions and some questionable moments in this game as we get started here. So Just want to talk about that first quarter right off the bat. The Ravens have an excellent drive. It looks like every other win that they've had in the Lamar Jackson era, moving the ball, running the ball, throwing the ball, a really good balance. And they eventually get stopped on a third and three, get into a fourth and three in the red zone, and decide to kick a field goal. And that's already like heads exploding. What is the analytics world is going crazy about this? I actually liked kicking the field goal because I wanted... I, th- I think Harbaugh did it on purpose to get away from that Titans-type game. Like, he wanted a lead. He wanted a positive first drive. Take a 3 nothing lead, and, you know, th- the game obviously went from there. But I want to get your guys' thoughts first on that first decision there and just the early start of this game. Yeah, I mean, you said it. I, I- retrospect and hindsight is twenty twenty and everything, and you can you can scream about it now that they just got their butts whooped. But in the moment, I didn't mind it. I thought that... You know, they were letting the big guys eat up front. They were establishing the run. Everything looked good. Yes, it didn't end as you wanted it to end with seven points and a perfect drive. But I had no issue with them trying to get points on the board. Against the team, remember, last time out, they were so nervous about this Kansas City offense that they were almost aggressive to a fault at the beginning of the game. So I thought this was the right approach, uh, certainly. But, you know, clearly it didn't work out. But... (laughs) In the moment, yeah, I thought the field goal was fine. I had no problem with it. I'm in the the exact same place because, and I think it's crazy too in hindsight, like you said, at the time you're like, wow, they just moved the ball really well, you know, took over five minutes off the clock. And you want seven, but nothing indicated that the offense was about to completely unravel <laughs> to me uh, on that drive. So I was fine just getting points because I'm like, they're moving the ball well. Things are going well. Get three points, get the lead against Mahomes, make him work from behind, even if it's only three. I was completely fine with it. You probably, I see the argument for wanting more points, but in the moment I, I thought the ball movement was good and I certainly thought the Ravens were uh going to score I think more than a kick return touchdown the entire rest of the first half (laughs) so at the time I was fine obviously it ended up not probably working out but I was also cool with it in the moment well we we found out why that field goal was probably the wrong decision (laughs) on the next possession when the Chiefs just seemingly getting first downs at will receivers wide open all over the field 
and quickly, <laughs> extremely quickly, the Chiefs now leading 6-3. On the next drive, I want to get your your thoughts on this very questionable decision. Didn't impact the, the final score of the game, but on the next drive, again, Lamar has a nice 15, 17-yard run that gets called back on a Nick Boyle tripping call when he basically just fell forwards onto the ground. Um just immediately just stalled that entire drive you're now on a first and 20 and then they essentially just abandoned the run for that possession for the next possession they just started throwing the ball throwing the ball and having less and less success Kansas City scores again all of a sudden it's 13-3 and we're chasing this game so I I want your guys thoughts first of all on that Boyle call tell me that Harbaugh and I are, are both as angry and right in our anger with that call and then just walk us through this what happened offensively to just stop running the ball and, and find feeling this compulsion to have to pass on, on most downs? Well, first on the Boyle thing, it was egregious, and I would have supported Harbaugh getting kicked out for taking that ref's head off at the end because he was as pissed as he should have been because it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. He knows how big that is. That being said, it's almost worse that Greg Roman completely panicked, and this is a bigger thing that we're going to get into, but this is the start of this year where it's six straight plays, two drives, two three and outs. The first one goes three plays, four yards, and a minute long. The second one, after a touchdown, or excuse me, uh, three plays, negative 14 yards, apologies, 231. The next one is three play, four four yards for a minute um, long in possession. And all six were passing plays. They completely panicked down 10 points. It's this this mindset that's in the back of the head of this team, and we're going to talk about more of that later, but right then and there, you could almost kind of feel it, you know, it, especially us who, like, kind of watch Twitter and we're ta- constantly talking during the games and stuff. It was like, why are these guys freaking out? Just run the ball. We saw it on the first drive. We saw everything was okay. I know it's first and 20. You run that on this Chiefs defense, you might pick up seven yards, second and 13, maybe a quick out route to... A couple guys who might be able to catch the ball, something we'll get into later as well. And then you set up a nice third and six, third and five, and then maybe even there, the classic Ravens we know on a fourth and two or something, then you go for that. So uh, the overall essence of this, and, and outside of the Boyle stuff, because you can blame the referees. I saw people blaming them for all these holding calls on both sides of the ball. I didn't see a ton of that, whatever. The whole holding thing, it happens in every game. It almost never gets called as much as it should. Whatever, move on from that. But outside of that, to have one thing go against you and freak out because your game plan is not working, your plan A isn't working, just seemed ridiculous to me. When your plan A is the best plan A in football. Like, it's you are the best at this plan A in the entire league, and to completely abandon that so early on, I thought was it, it was more ridiculous than the tripping call against Nick Boyle. It really was. Yeah, bad calls happen. That being said, I hope Harbaugh got his money's worth, whatever he said to the ref, because he pulled his uh, his mask down to yell at him, and the NFL has been fighting people left and right, so hopefully he got some choice words in. Uh, but, uh, yeah, bad calls happen in the NFL, but you can't let get like You have to be able to keep your head when the team gets behind schedule. So I'm a completely in agreement with, with Tim. It was... Really disappointing to see because we kind of saw it, you know, in the playoff game against the Titans as well. And to have kind of the same thing happen on offense to this team 
they just they got behind first time they trailed all year by the way this game when they go behind six to three so first time they trail all season and they just completely unravel at least in terms of their game plan it it was very disappointing to see and you know something you have to the greg roman has to correct um and certainly i think even lamar uh as a quarterback you have to be able to you know play from behind and uh, we'll get more into that, I think, in a bit of things we didn't didn't like. But yeah, it, they probably weren't going to score on that drive. You take a, a ten yard holding penalty and face like a first and twenty. Your chances of scoring on any drive are very low. But you can't you can't let that impact you know two drives from now by just keep winging it. I, I said at the uh, in the opener here that it was a game that when the offense did something good, the defense slipped up and, and vice versa. And I say that because this the first instance of that happened pretty much in the middle of the of this first half, or after the Devin Duvernay return kickoff return touchdown, which I'm going to let you guys wax poetic about Duvernay on that play. The defense gets a three and out. And then immediately gets the ball back into the offense's hand, and that was back when they, you know they're still throwing the ball on every down. And the Ravens then immediately went three and out, back to Kansas City. Th- these were Kansas City's possessions in the first half: touchdown, touchdown, that one punt, touchdown, touchdown, missed field goal. So I mean, in a game where you need to keep up with the best offense in the NFL, basically, it was just so such a shame to see just a stalling offense from from Lamar in this in this passing game. Yeah, and I have this whole, right after the DuVernay stuff, it was great. Jace, I'll let you be positive on that. That's fine. He scored. Good for the rookie, and I hope we have a kick returner now. Awesome. But after that, here's what happens now. It looks lethargic. The Nick Boyle stuff is infuriating every Ravens fan who is hiding behind their couch like me. But after that, it's 13-10. Three-point ball game, and you don't look like you deserve to be in it. This is fantastic for us. You have to force a three and out. You're like, I know the defense is tired, but we absolutely have to force this three and out if needed. And the defense does their job. Fantastic. This, for me, is the turning point in the game where it's another drive, three straight passes again, which doesn't waste any time on the clock, by the way, and two, gives your defense, who is going up against the best offense in the league, Andy Reid throwing the entire playbook at the Baltimore Ravens. You give them three plays to sit and rest. You give them a minute, three plays, four yards, and a minute of game time rest. It's inexcusable from the offense. Part of your job is to let the defense rest as well. How many times did we do this with the with the crappy Ravens offenses of old where the defense was so good, but by the fourth quarter, it was a freaking miracle that they were still playing as well as they were because the time of possession was absolutely ridiculous. This was the same thing, except you're going up against the most talented quarterback this league has ever seen. And you're going to give him another opportunity, and that's it. Game over at that point. Almost. I mean, you know, clearly a little bit of a comeback. We'll get into the second half. But for me right there, it was like defense did their job. Great. Now offense, get back to your groove. Get back to slowing this clock down, grinding them out, making their defense tired like ours already was after running around trying to catch Tyree Kill, Mahomes, and the like. And they completely dropped the ball. Greg Roman dropped the ball. Lamar Jackson dropped the ball. Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown dropped the ball a lot. We'll get into that later. <laughs> but it, that right there was the, the turning point because the defense is looking at them like, we have to go back out on the field again now? Are you serious? And it led to a six-play, 73-yard drive for another Kansas City touchdown, something that we saw all too often on a Monday night. 
and, and that play, so we just mentioned, that, you know, spillover from the Boyle uh, drive, I guess we'll call it, with that started with the penalty. So the three plays, Lamar Jackson, short right to Willie Sneed for four yards. Lamar Jackson, incomplete pass. Lamar Jackson, incomplete pass. Nary a run when, <laughs> when, as Tim just said, you know, Duvernay takes it to the house and that's great. And it was a wonderful return. And I'm with Tim. I seems like we actually have a semblance of a return game finally for this team between Duvernay on kick returns and James Prochet. So that's exciting. But the defense has basically then immediately has to go back on the field and then the forces a three and out after they just, you know, gave up a touchdown 13 play drive, the longest drive of the first half, which we'll get later to things that were bad with the defense. But yeah, it's just, you have to, one run, even if it doesn't do anything, you gotta, the two straight incompletions, I mean, the one minute, as Tim said, it, 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 you can't, you have to get, like, we talked in the preview show, ball control, ball control, how pivotal that was going to be this game, and they didn't do that despite running the ball pretty well over the course of the game. At halftime, the score is then 27-10. to 10. The Chiefs have left four points on the board with a missed field goal and missed extra point. All three of us are pretty much, wow, this, what should be a 31-10 to 10 blowout, the Chiefs are going to drop 60, this is going to be a disaster. However, in almost classic Ravens fashion, in, in games, tough games, big games, whatever, they do enough to just drag you back in and give you that little glimpse of hope. Second half starts as well as it possibly could have. You get a fumble from the Chiefs on their first drive. The Ravens then just a nice 12-play methodical drive, kick a field goal um, in another situation where you had a fourth and two and the Ravens were going to go for it and you have an Orlando Brown Jr. false start, then they kick the field goal instead. Orlando Brown Jr. did not have his best game for a variety of reasons. Then you have another defensive stop you know, you get that fourth down at midfield, fourth and one, fourth and inches, and they're able to get a turnover on downs. And then the Ravens, another methodical drive, score a touchdown. It's 27-10. This is the moment. This is the comeback against a team that has played, outplayed you all game and is giving you a chance to come back. And then Mahomes does what he does. Defense probably exhausted at that point, And the Chiefs go on a 13-play drive. 75 yards, score another touchdown. It's back to 14 points, and the game is, you know, at this point, again, the Ravens are back chasing, unable to score again for the rest of the game, and it ends up being a 34-20 game. Guys, thoughts on the second half? Thoughts on Orlando Brown Jr.? Did Orlando Brown Jr.'s false start on fourth and two set the Ravens back? Was that the reason that they weren't able to fulfill this comeback? No. Thoughts on uh, on the performance in the second half, and then we can get into... Uh, some more specific analysis of certain players and situations. Well, it doesn't. Sorry, go ahead, Jason. Well, I I was just going to say, for me, I think the second half is why I think I leave this game so frustrated, just because they are talented. That's (laughs) They shouldn't be able to hang with this team. They get back in the game, but I think ultimately it was just too big a deficit to overcome. But it... While it does leave me with little hope, at the same time, it leaves me frustrated that I'm like... This could have just been the whole game. If we make the second half, the whole the whole game out of the second half, both halves like that, the Ravens win this game. <laughs> the Chiefs only score seven points in the second half, but 
like we saw last year, they just fell in such a big deficit. And, you know, in the NFL, the teams are too good. You're, unless you're the Atlanta Falcons, you're content and it's easy to just kind of sit on these big leads. Uh, and the Chiefs were able to do that. And when it was time to seal the game, Mahomes showed why he is the best in the NFL. Um, but so mixed bag for me on the second half, I was encouraged that they did fight back. And uh, that's something we haven't always seen from Ravens teams. Discouraged that at the same time because they should have they they should have played as well in the second half or at least close to it as they did in the first half. Yeah, Jace nailed all that stuff, so I don't need to really rehash that. I will say two things: one, Orlando Brown's got to figure it out. And I know we're going to get into more uh, consistent, you know, player breakdowns and our little. Glass half full, glass half empty, which I like our new approach to this in terms of like-dislike. We're getting a little creative here on Pod Like a Raven. But Orlando Brown's got to clean it up because he was bad against the Texans and he was bad today. And if they're paying Ronnie Stanley, guess what? That dude's no got not getting anywhere near that money. I know it's a right tackle compared to a left, but he has not shown anything of the uh, Pro Bowl form that he had last season. And maybe it's because he's got a rookie next to him and not a – future Hall of Famer and Marshall Yonda. So that's got to get figured out. On the field stuff again, Jace breaked it down. For me, it's so weird watching that second half as a fan because it's it's sort of bliss in a way, but in like a very macabre type of bliss where everything that had everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. You're basically resigned to the fact that your team is losing. So it's like, eh, not a care in the world. I'm going to watch the rest of this game, one, because I'm a masochist, and two, because, you know, we're going to talk about it here, and I'd like to have some things to, to discuss here with you two lovely gentlemen. But it's a weird feeling as a sports fan. It's almost like this is how it feels to be a Jets fan, maybe. I've never <laughs> had to do that, so that's not terrible. But you just sit there, and you're still willing to watch this team you know has no hope. But then they offer that little glimpse. Then someone shook Greg Roman and said, hey, buddy, this is what we do best. Get back to some of this. And it it ended up working. The defense. This is the only time I'll say this on this show because I think pretty much everything is a negative. Credit to the defense for most of the second half. Now, there were some bad drives. There were some different things, but they had got a good fourth down stop. I thought Calais Campbell played pretty well. Um, Again, Another sort of leader guy on this team that I think is going to be pissed off and learn from this and help the other young guys grow. Uh, made some plays comparatively to just how bad the overall performance was. But watching that as a fan was very weird to me of like a, you can kind of release a little bit because you know that death is coming and there's there's nothing else to live for in this in this game, essentially. So I don't know. I thought I just... Jace nailed it on the field, so I figured from the fans' perspective, if if you felt like that and if you agree with me, let us know at Pod Like a Raven on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, at gmail.com. As well. This is starting to feel uh, more and more like a therapy session, which I think is good for all three oh, of us. Oh, this is exactly what this episode is, the listener, is, I think. Way. Yeah, this is exactly what this is for me. I'm just going to speak all this out, and hopefully I'll never have to remember this game again. Hopefully. The three, if you if you've listened to this show before, you know sort of how the three of us break down. I tend to be more the optimist of the three. Uh, I, I was going to put one of you maybe in the realist, but I think you're both sort of maybe more pessimistic leaning <laughs> in terms of uh, Ravens fanhood. But so with that, as a, go ahead. Tim. I would say Jace is more the realist. I'm just yeah. 
an emotional dumpster fire a lot of the time. Just not <laughs> only <laughs> Jace's text Jace's mid game text notwithstanding, he's he's normally the realist of right. the three of us. But so with that, as as the game was ending uh, and our texts were getting messier and messier, I thought let's do a glass half full, glass half empty type analysis of this game because it's one week in the NFL. It's September. Glass half full, this was a game the Ravens should have had fans, needed to have fans. In a situation where Patrick Mahomes couldn't just chit-chat with all of his offensive weapons on how to break down the Ravens' defense on the field, I think it would have gone a little bit differently. Other glass half full aspects, the Ravens played terribly. Everything went wrong. They were down one score in the fourth quarter and had a legitimate opportunity to tie that game. Glass half empty... Uh, the Ravens look like they are miles away from being a legitimate contender coming out of the AFC now that we've seen the Chiefs' creativity, the Chiefs' skill set, the Chiefs' speed. People talk about Lamar Jackson's speed and the defenses can't prepare for it until you see it uh, and on the field in front of you. You cannot prepare for the Chiefs' offensive speed. The Ravens looked not even half a step, a step slow defensively all over the field. The other glass half empty stuff, the Chiefs left points on the field here and they could have, should have scored even more than the 34 points than they did get. I'm going to turn it to you guys now with a little bit of, you know, what's some positivity here? What's some negativity, some realistic uh, approaches uh, that you took away from this game? Okay, so real quickly, I got to give a shout out to a good friend of mine, Mike Brown, who... In a group text I have, who he is a season ticket holder. Uh, he goes to every game. And he texted all of us this morning saying, quote, Stay strong, Ravens fans. They had to pull out their best game to only beat us by two touchdowns on our worst night without me in the stands, taking a lot of credit <laughs> for the noise that he brings. And I've sat next to him. It is a lot. Um, the glass half full on that is everything you said, Antonio. Um, and the emphasis on not only that the Chiefs basically play the best game I've ever seen them play, but Andy Reid gave us everything. I, I know I know he's an offensive genius. I get it. And and it's I mean, his game plan was flawless. But if this matchup happens again, God willing, in the playoffs, you can't sit here and say the Ravens weren't prepared for everything that they're gonna throw at them because it was pitches to Anthony Sherman, it was touchdown passes to the left tackle, who by the way, the the last first overall pick to score a touchdown pass was Keyshawn Johnson. Fun fact there for you, for all you Pod Like Ravens fans. Eric Fisher is the next guy after Keyshawn Johnson. So there's your pub trivia if you ever need that. So <laughs> the fact that basically the Ravens were really bad, but also the Chiefs made them look bad because they were so good, I don't think they can get to that every time. Um, another good thing, I don't ever want to hear the name Harrison Butker ever again <laughs> next to Justin Tucker. Please stop. Tony Romo, I like as a commentator. It's probably the stupidest piece of commentary I've heard as a Ravens fan, calling him the best kicker of all time or whatever it was, or the greatest in the league last week. Best kicker in the NFL, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, (laughs) he's not. Justin Tucker's a Hall of Famer. He has the highest accuracy rate in NFL history, and he doesn't flub kicks like that outside of that one against New Orleans that we're not going to talk about. (laughs) Um, But that that was the shining light for me is that we could just make fun of this guy because he read his own news clippings and he seemed to buy into the hype he was on Pat McAfee's show talking about how great he was yada yada <laughs> and Justin Tucker just went about his job the issues 
outside of everything you said, I think the biggest issue for me is that the Ravens' identity is now that they are a choker. The Ravens' identity is that they can't win the big game. The Ravens' identity is that if plan A doesn't go right, they panic, Lamar panics, Greg Roman panics, and Wink Martindale doesn't have a plan B. Um, And all of that, Ravens fans can get upset. They can be homers. That's fine. I'm one of the biggest homers out there. But the fact of the matter is this team cannot win the big game. We've said it since the Lamar era, all last year. Oh, the Tennessee thing was a fluke. We trust in this guy. We believe in that guy. All of these things can be true, as well as the fact of the matter that this team is a bunch of chokers at the minute. It, it just is. It's sad. I hate saying it. To watch a team where now every time there's a big game, I'm going to be nervous because of it. It sucks, but it's the, it's the facts. And I know we'll get it a little bit more into the offense. The defense, I do just want to throw this out. And, and Antonio, if you want to refute, that's fine. But real quickly, on Wink Martindale, who Jace was screaming about, putting dumb memes out on Twitter, which I very much appreciated, about we love Wink to death. We talk about him all the time because what does he do? He blitzes, he blitzes, and he blitzes some more. Part of that for personnel. Part of that because he's got a mullet, and that's what he loves doing. It's party in the back all the time. Patrick Mahomes versus the Blitz last night was 17 for 20, 240 yards, three touchdowns, and a quarterback rating of 156.3. None of us know what quarterback rating means. All I know is that is very, very good. It's the best single-game passer rating versus the Blitz against the Ravens since 2019. And it just... emphasizes the fact of we know this isn't going to work against this guy, but one, we don't have the personnel to combat it, especially that being one of the weaker points, the Ravens. And two, the identity of this team is what it is. And for whatever reason, they can't adjust. They can't because they haven't had to. They haven't had to for so long that it works. It works. It works. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But this is the problem when you run into when it's so good all the time and all of a sudden it shuts down, you can't panic. You have to have a backup plan. And they didn't. And they got roasted because of it. I'm, I'm pushing back on the choke. It's tough to push back on the choker comments when some of the Ravens players themselves have called their own team a group of chokers. <laughs> so I, I'm going to do it. Uh, notwithstanding, Marlon Humphrey thinks that his own team ch- chokes in big games. But, you know... Tim, they, they made this a game, and they they did come back from this early hole to cut it to a touchdown. Isn't it possible the Chiefs are just better, and a lot better in certain areas? Way better offensively. They have one of the most creative offensive coaches I think I've ever seen. I mean, he's the, you know, Belichick is the, the name that everybody throws. Belichick's a defensive guy. If we talk about the top offensive coaches in the last 10, 15 years, I think some people would say Andy Reid. You have a guy making $500 million at quarterback who's probably still underpaid based on how good he is. And it was a seven-point game at a certain point with how badly the Ravens played. I just, I don't know if they're chokers as much as some things went badly. And you are right that they they struggle to adjust their game plan in-game. And I think it's because they, as you said, they haven't had a lot of situations where they've had to do that. But that's not really their fault in a way. They've been good, so they've had leads in a lot of situations. And then seemingly in the worst spots, they find themselves down double digits, like in a playoff game with a young quarterback unable to sort of adjust on the fly. I almost like this game happening now. 
They know they're not as good as everybody makes them out to be. They know they have to improve some things. They know they're not as good as the Chiefs right now. But it's a September loss that two weeks from now, they're probably going to be sort of, you know, two wins in and and not worrying about it so much. But use this game to make improvements and, and figure things out. And two weeks from now, I'll probably agree with you. And I'll see the positivity of it because it didn't happen so recently. And I understand everything that you said. Um. But the fact of the matter is they've now done it against an opponent who is superior to them, and they've done it against an opponent who is much less in, or inferior to them in the Tennessee Titans in the playoffs last year. It's put-up-or-shut-up time now in these big games, and I know it's just week three. I completely agree with you. This happening, as a pessimistic Ravens fan, thank God can we stop doing the whole class of the league Best de- If I hear the Ravens are the best defense in the league any anytime soon, I'm going to try and rip my own head off because I, I'm just I'm tired of it. It's ridiculous. They have some great players, but they are nowhere near the best defense in the league. And if Steve Levy had to, had to do that and Edwards Elair one more time in that broadcast, <laughs> I think I would have lost my mind. Um, the other point to that too, though, because I agree with you, my biggest fear long term from this game. You know, short ter- or short term, as in this season, it's good. Positives, you can say this is a motivator. You know, they're really good. They threw the whole playbook. They're not going to play that well again. Yada yada yada. I see all the positives of it. You and I just approach these things differently. The negative for me, long term, is that Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are LeBron James. They are the LeBron James of the conference, and there's no getting by them. It's just, it's just, it's the Patriots again. Like we just got out of that. And all of a sudden, there's a new dog in town, and we're going to be the constant second guy. We're going to be the constant one that's fighting, scrapping. And maybe sometimes we'll get by him because the bounces will go our way, but we can never constantly be at their level because they are just that much better. So I, I think I actually fall between the two of you on where right, I, there we how go. I feel there about we this go. game. Because realist, what, realist. Yeah, so that's my existential dread, Tim, is uh, – Patrick Mahomes is going to dominate the AFC for the next two decades. And he doesn't even have the hateability factor that Tom Brady had. <laughs> oh, me. he will. Oh, he will. It I'm already early. picking stuff out. That guy likes ketchup way too much. That's, <laughs> that's number one. Um, so th- that's my existential, I guess, dread and concern stemming from this game is uh, Lamar Jackson is now uh 21 and 1 in his career in the regular season against teams that are not the Kansas City Chiefs and he is now 0 and 3 against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um 21 and 1 is quite good. Uh 0 and 3 is not good when you consider they are probably going to have to beat the Chiefs at some point to win a Super Bowl in the next 15 years, let's say. <laughs> um, Jace going with the long timetables here on the Kansas City Chiefs. Mahomes got 12 more years on that deal. So, as far as I'm concerned, as long as he's there, even if Andy Reid retires, uh, I think you gotta have some faith in uh, Patrick Mahomes. And I guess it, the other problems I had that fall in line with Tim's concerns about this game, kind of uh, broad strokes, is... Lamar Jackson, I love Lamar. This was, by stats, the worst game of his career. He threw for 97 yards. Um, and he's now 0-5 in his career, including the playoffs, 
when the team goes down 10 points. And if you know about Lamar's uh, record, that's every game he's ever lost as a starter in the NFL has been the team has fallen behind by 10 points at some point. Um, so for me, it, 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 it was clear from this game, right, that there is a sizable gap between Lamar and Patrick Mahomes. Lamar is awesome. He deserved the 2019 MVP. He is not as good as Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is in control of the game at all times. Even, you know, we see in the playoffs, he's down 24 to nothing to the Tennessee Titans. And they win that game by 20 points. He's never, he's in control the entire time. They were down double digits in every single playoff game. Uh, they won last year, the Chiefs. Um, and Lamar doesn't have that uh, ability yet or hasn't shown it in a game. It's possible. I think it's definitely partly a Greg Roman problem because he, we mentioned it before, but the second they went down 10, they completely panicked and got away from what makes the team great and what makes Lamar Jackson special. So existentially, those are the concerns I have. In addition, and we can delve more into this, but... Uh, Mark Andrews uh, get, getting cases of the dropsies in uh, in games. That's uh, we've seen this multiple times now. Uh, that's a problem. Um, but I do think I fall a little on Antonio's side too. With that, this can be a good thing, and I think even more than the team who maybe obviously sees what it has to work on, knows what it has to change and fix. For the media and the fans, can we stop saying the Ravens are going to the Super Bowl? <laughs> this fan base has gotten crazy arrogant for a team that hasn't won anything yet, really. They haven't won a playoff game since 2014. But especially on Twitter, the hashtag Ravens flock just have anointed this team to like win the Super Bowl starting like midway through last year. They have a long way to go if they want to beat the Chiefs. Uh, and so I think hopefully this game resets expectations. Maybe it won't. Just that's how Twitter is. But um, I, I think when we saw, we were texting pregame, when we saw every ESPN analyst pick the Ravens, that was a bit of an uh-oh moment for me <laughs> personally. I, I, we've talked about it before. In a perfect world, the Ravens play every single game at 1 p.m., uh, with like the third CBS crew, just win the games out of the limelight. Uh, and so they'll have a lot of primetime games, but I hope this at least lowers the hype externally on them. And the team can just go out and perform and try to get better and compete for the Super Bowl Cause they still are talented enough to win it, but they're clearly a cut below the chiefs. So I don't want the less, you know, people just saying the Ravens are the greatest team in NFL history. Uh, the less people saying that, the better, in my opinion. Yeah, I just want to say real quickly, you falling on Antonio's side is probably way better for your mental health. So <laughs> I'm happy about that. Um, yeah, the, the fans need an absolute wake up call. I mean, you nailed it, Jace. I want I want to talk about I want to talk a little bit about Mark Andrews before we get off this game as another glass half empty thing. He watched the other best. Well, here's how I'll put this: a best tight end in football with Kittle in San Francisco pretty much have an incredible game last night, just like the entire Chiefs off Chiefs offense. Now, Kelsey was wide open every time that he got the ball, so that's definitely a defensive issue as well. But 
we've talked about the coaches. We've stressed the coaches. I think Roman panics too early, and I think Wink needs to find a new plan. I know some of that comes with personnel. I understand that. But this becomes a player's thing, too. You cannot have a game like this again in the big moments. Mark Andrews, I think, I think he finished with two drops. There was four. There was four or maybe five that there, hit the hands that uh, he dropped. I, not all uh, Andrews, but overall, the Ravens had five drops yesterday, which is the most uh, Lamar's had dropped in his career per f- pro football focus. In anyone. It's, in, it's inexcusable. And Antonio, I don't want to do it to you. But we spent the offseason talking about workout videos for Hollywood Brown, and then he put out that game. That is not a number one receiver type of game in the biggest moments. Keep doing it against the football team. Keep doing it against the Browns. Keep doing it against the Texans. That's fine. You have to step up in these moments because guess what? Here's all this negativity. I still think the Ravens are the second best team in the AFC. And frankly, I don't think it's close. We'll talk about some of the other teams later. I really, really don't think it's close. But when you're coming up against the team that you're measuring yourself against, you have to step up. I will concede on the end of this because I've just been a negative Nelly the whole time and it's I can feel my blood pressure rising as we're talking about this. <laughs> I will absolutely concede the fact that I am so glad that the media is going to stop talking about us like we're the bee's knees of the NFL because it's the worst thing. Like you said... One o'clock, Kevin Harlan, every day, done by four, win in the bag, let's get out of here. That, that's me. I, I, this, this whole Monday night crap where everybody's picking us against the Super Bowl champions, I'm a little bit tired of. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say one thing here and then give you guys an opportunity for, for closing thoughts on this Chiefs game if you have anything else. I, I was shocked when I saw this. As a statistic, the Ravens, in a game that they were down the entire, really just any NFL team being down essentially the entire entirety of the game, most of the time by multiple scores, ended this game with 158 rushing yards on 21 carries. They averaged 7.5 yards a carry. Pound the rock. Don't be afraid <laughs> to do that even when you're down. Do it more often. I, I could not believe they had this many rushing yards. Yes, chunks of them were from Lamar Jackson on a few big runs, but they count. (laughs) It's amazing. A team would be able to do that while still being behind the entire game. So I want to see more of that. I want to see 30 carries. I want to see 200, 220 rushing yards uh, from this team in the next few weeks. And and to just to, that ties into just to put a bow on it for me, just getting away from the plan was the most frustrating thing because the run was there. And that was the key because we touched on them. If we're doing a mini, what's bothering me? Wink Martindale, man. Uh, it wasn't working. Tim said the blitz numbers earlier. Mahomes completed 17 passes on 20 attempts versus the blitz. Uh, was not sacked. So uh, uh, the pressure was not working. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> three, Yeah, Mahomes had four total touchdowns, ran for another. He... On a third and ten, he runs away from the blitz. Like the pressure was just not working, and then he's so. But and that's again, we can, I'll concede. I don't know what he's supposed to do because the Ravens do not have the edge rusher. Matthew Cannot Judon, get, get off my team. I'm done with that guy and zero, Mr. Zero sacks in a contract year. Um, but. Uh, 
you know, you can pressure them all you want. You got to put them on the ground. That's how <laughs> the Chargers had success. And in hindsight, clearly, uh, Andy Reid was holding a few plays back against the Chargers last week. But um, when the blitz, it just wasn't working. But they just kept doing it. And Mahomes just kept throwing to Travis Kelsey or throwing swing passes or screens to the running backs right out of the pressure. It was infuriating. The plan has to change for the coaching staff. And if it can't, I think that falls back on the offense. Like, if your defensive coordinator has no idea what to do, because if you don't blitz, if you don't rush, you're not getting pressure with four, and he's going to pick you apart when those fast-as-hell receivers get open eventually. You know, Matthew Judon covering Miko Hardman on a third down. That's not going to work. It was clear Wink Martindale didn't have the answers, and so you got to play keep away. Run the ball. <laughs> they were having success. The run was there. I was very frustrated with Wink Martindale last night. Again, I don't fully know what he's even supposed to do because clearly the blitz wasn't working at all, but also they can't rush normally, so that's a personnel issue, and I don't know how they address that long-term. But that falls back on Greg Roman. You see that whatever your defense is doing isn't working. You just can't give them the ball, and they... They just, and the Chiefs' drives were so quick. You know, half of these drives were like six-play touchdowns. And you just can't give them the ball when they're in that kind of zone. Patrick Mahomes is the best QB in the world. And I think, Tim, you said, or Antonio, probably the most talented quarterback we've ever seen in the NFL. Um, I mean, that throw to Hardman when he was, he was getting lit up, but he got the ball away and was not sacked. Uh, so they got some pressure on him, but they didn't bring him down and didn't do enough to d- disrupt him. So uh, he's the best in the world. And so I think the key was just to not give him the ball. And they just needed to run more than they did last uh, last night. Yeah, it's interesting on that point, Jace. You think that like if they rush four, they're probably getting as little pressure as they did if <laughs> sending seven. So why not just use those guys in the secondary? You know what I mean? But yeah. But you make a great point about how this is all a system, too, where – when the defense isn't working, the offense has to help them out, and that's what we talked about. I think this game was won and lost on a lot of little moments, and it was that the defense stepped up. They did their job. They did the three and out. Now you have to do your job. What do you do? You panic because you're down 10 and you pass the ball three times. It's a minute of time of uh, game time rest, and they're back out there, and you can't do that against this team. Uh, closing thoughts for me, you know, it was sad because I kind of bought into the hype, even though at the start of the game, I did have a bit of a sinking feeling on this one. Um, I, I'm sad to admit that I was right on that, unfortunately. I will say that the Ravens have the leaders in there that you would like to believe that they're going to bounce back, but they're, these are also the same leaders that lost to the Titans, or at least most of them, outside of guys like Calais Campbell. So... I trust a lot of these guys to respond, but I have to see it. Um, for me, it's like, you know, and Antonio, you talked about this earlier. It's such a fine line because, like, learning to adjust, they rarely have to do it because they're usually destroying teams, and it doesn't even matter. But I would almost, in a sick way, and hear me out, I would almost prefer to see them go down to a Washington football team. Like, go down 10 nothing and see how they respond to that. Because... Because, one, the Titans were a playoff game. That's a whole different atmosphere, yada, 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 14-2, and two, all the expectations that come with it. And we've, we've talked about for the past, whatever it is, 40 minutes or so, the Chiefs are just incredible. I want to see them go down to a team 
maybe that's a bad example. Even like a division opponent, like the Browns again, they go down 10 to the Browns. How do they respond to that? Because they have to learn that they know, they know they're the best in the world at what they do in running the football on the offensive side of the ball. And you can't get rid of that so quickly in important moments. And hopefully they look at this tape and they learn. But sadly, I can't say that I'm going to see it because I haven't seen it yet. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to put the faith in them to do that. Final point there, too. I know I said LeBron. This also reminds me of the Manning Colts where you basically hang on for dear life and you hope you can do everything and get a few bounces going your way. And that's how you win the game. And that just didn't happen last night. And, you know, let's hope this isn't the next 10 to 12 years because it might be. Final. Try try to get a little positive note here as we wrap this up. If you can't beat the Chiefs, at least have the Chiefs beat everybody else. (laughs) Kansas City's next three games, they play the Patriots, Raiders, and Bills. They either lose one of those three games, two of those three games, which is in theory possible, uh, and the Ravens are back tied, you know, with them for, for first, the best record in the AFC after a few weeks, or most likely the Chiefs win all three of those games and giving teams that we need to lose losses. So Ravens next three against the Washington, uh, the Washington football team, the Bengals, and then the Eagles. So a nice stretch there to try to get back on the, on the right track and, and hopefully with the Chiefs playing these tough teams, some of those records even out, and, and a month from now, the Ravens have the best record in the AFC, second-best record in the AFC. We'll see. That's going to do it for that game. That, that game. We're going to move on now to the random Raven, and it's my turn, so I'm going to throw out a few clues for you guys and see if uh, my colleagues as well as the listener can figure out this player because I went for I went for a pretty random guy, and I don't <laughs> think you have a... <laughs> I don't think you got a ton of information here. Until the last clue, which is sort of what I'm what I'm offering up. So, this random Raven played for the team from 2014 to 2016. Uh, my co-hosts have called that the dead era of, of <laughs> Ravens football. Uh, he played three seasons on the team in 32 games, starting 16 of them over those three seasons. His best season came in 2015 when he started 10 games, had 33 receptions for 412 yards and four touchdowns. He attended the Colorado State University that we all know and love. He wore... See, now i got to make sure that I do that. He wore number 80. And the final clue is he didn't play anywhere else after those three seasons with the Ravens, but was in the news somewhat recently as a potential... Comeback, reuniting with the Ravens at a position of need. So those are my clues for the random Raven for this week, and we will answer that at the end of the episode. I'm I seeing a I lot of emo- I'm seeing as many emotions <laughs> as during that Chiefs game from my co-hosts about who it is, who it could be. All right, oh, so that's going to do no. it. So <laughs> I had I, I know the position, and I had a different guy. But that guy definitely didn't wear 80, and he's now that I think of it, he went to Minnesota, and he didn't go to Colorado State. <laughs> That's a good one. Is, yeah, thank you. You know who that guy is. You might have to pay, pen him for later. This is infuriating because I remember seeing this story about this guy's going to try a, a different uh, positional career, and it ended up not working. 
Tim, you're circling a lot of things here. I don't want to give out too much information, but... Uh, uh, Fishing. Circling. Circling for sure. All right. Let's move on now quickly and do a little NFL recap. We realize with this episode coming out a day late uh, that some of this NFL news is a day late, but let's go over a few teams, a few games of note, and let's just start with the AFC North, guys. Steelers, 3-0. and They look to be for real playing... A good 0-2 team in the Houston Texans at home. They were behind for a lot of this game. The Steelers were. End up coming back and winning that game. They're now ahead of the Ravens in first place in the AFC North for the first time in a long time. Browns. Big win uh, against hosting the Washington football team. The Washington stinks, so I don't really know what to make of that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that over and over again in a preview for next week, but... Browns two and one. They're at least the offense is looking good. They're putting points on the board. They're now you know technically tied for the Ravens for second place and a winning record. And then the Bengals. Just I'm not going to make Tim talk about them. There's no need. Really, the only thing is, I absolutely loved the comments about Joe Burrow. You know how's he going to handle being on a losing team? Uh, he had like hadn't lost a game in, in his entire life or had lost one game in his entire life before the NFL. Started out 0-2, wasn't happy, so what did he do? He tied, and that's how you don't lose in the NFL as you tie a game. So, I was quick thoughts say, on, do we have on, to make, from you guys on the AFC North. Do we have to make Tim half talk about this game since the Bengals half won? <laughs> Just only half sentences from Tim. You know what? Here, I will talk about the Bengals here in this game. I'll do a little bit here. One, I love that Burrow came out and said, I still treat this as a loss. It's like, wake up. The rest of Cincinnati treats this as a win because they never even get ties. So... <laughs> Okay, buddy. Great. I love the mentality. Still like Joe Burrow. Probably going to end up hating him when they actually get good. Two, wake up call for that guy because he is no longer in college and he is playing behind the worst offensive line in football. He got smacked around eight sacks. And if there's one thing that could derail this Joe Burrow train, it's him getting skittish because he's he's legitimately getting lit up every single week. I mean, that that is a actual concern for Cincinnati fans. And on the other part of this game, the Eagles are a disaster. What happened? I mean, Carson Wentz. He looks bad. You know, we all we all thought, okay, Philly fans are just losing their mind. Obviously, Nick Foles, who we'll talk about in a little more NFL recap, I'm sure, goes on this miracle run, wins in the Super Bowl. He's always going to have this burden over his head. But he looks disastrous. Um, I don't really have a ton to say about the Steelers. I'll let Jace handle that. But just quickly on the Browns. Um, yeah, they, they beat the Washington football team. Who we're going to talk about a little later. Antonio, you nailed it. They stink. The one thing I like about the Browns here, though, if you look at this stat line, Baker Mayfield only threw the ball 23 times for 156 yards, and they rushed for 158. Look, this is not a podcast where we give the Browns good advice because, frankly, I want them to never win a game for the rest of their lives and maybe even move the team and make that city more depressed than it already is. But this is how they have to win games. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb, 19 carries. Kareem Hunt, 16 carries. Uh, Chubb for 108. Uh, Kareem Hunt, 46. Also got involved in the passing game a little bit. Those are the guys that you need to to be studs for you. Because Baker is not one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And frankly, he makes more mistakes than manages the game well. So just take the ball out of his hands and give it to these running backs who are very, very good. The the one thing I want to point out with the the just to circle back to the Bengals game for a second is uh, the Eagles punted to secure the tie uh, late in <laughs> late in overtime. Oh they settled for the tie instead of attempt. I believe it would have been a sixty. Uh, 
three-yard field goal after a false start penalty they had. Um, so that was funny uh, to settle for the tie. Somehow this is the Bengals' fourth tie since 2008, which seems very Bengals. Uh, and the Eagles and Bengals uh, also the last time, uh, I believe, they played in Cincinnati. Or no, that can't be right. But they, they t- also tied, or the Eagles' last tie in the NFL was against the Bengals. Also, in the game, Donovan McNabb didn't know you could tie. <laughs> so, just an illustrious history between these two franchises. <laughs> Real quickly on that, Jace, before you move on, that the quote from Donovan McNabb afterwards was like, what happens if people tie in the playoffs or the Super Bowl? <laughs> that, that's a paraphrase, but that's legitimately what he said. I love Donovan McNabb. He was great. <laughs> Misses Chunky Soup commercials with his mom. Uh the Steelers, I'm very frustrated. I don't, I don't have a ton to add, really. But I read they're 3-0 and for the first time since uh, 2010, which was last year they went to the Super Bowl. And they're in first place. And the last thing we need is those Yinzers uh, doing, you know, getting the Here We Go chants and the Stairway to Seven t-shirts and stuff. So I hope they come crashing back to earth. But uh, the Ravens' next game against a winning team is against the Pittsburgh Steelers in a 1 p.m. showdown. So, uh definitely something to monitor and completely agree with Tim the Browns uh it is funny that they have to turn the number one overall pick that they chose over Lamar Jackson into a game manager that makes me laugh but uh they the Browns uh yeah running the ball is the key to their success so it's a weird week around the AFC North (laughs) especially when you get a tie in the mix but uh um yeah first time in a long time the Ravens aren't in uh first place in the AFC North so uh Maybe, you know, this refocuses the team a bit because they're not sitting atop, alone atop the standings with a hearty lead. Pittsburgh's next game, in theory, is going to be <laughs> on the road against the Tennessee Titans, which is my seamless transition to the next talking point. Some positive tests, positive COVID tests found uh, in Tennessee. The Titans closed their facility today on Tuesday. A few players, I believe it was three players, correct, correct me if I'm wrong, and then five or six uh, members of the of the staff as well. So, I, you know, jump in here with some analysis, but this Titans team cannot practice for several days and then is just going to have to play the Steelers on Sunday. This is the first test for the NFL in terms of how they handle in-season coronavirus issues with, uh, with the franchise. It's fascinating because, yeah, I... So, so far, so good, but now we're, we're three weeks in and have our first issues. Uh, the Vikings, I believe, also are having to do some contact tracing and testing, additional testing, because um, that is who the Titans played on Sunday. Um, so their game with the Texans could also potentially be impacted, I guess. But uh, for now, the NFL, last I saw, is they've told the Steelers, at least, to keep practicing like they're going to play on Sunday, uh, which I don't know how the Titans are possibly going to be prepared for that game. So uh, if you're a gambling man (laughs) and the game happens, you might want to drop some coins on the old Pittsburgh Steelers there. But um, yeah, it certainly doesn't seem fair to just have a team not practice for the bulk of its week. You know, it's a week to week league and uh, these teams start crunching film for the next week and rewatching a film Sunday nights, these coaches. So it's such a quick turnaround in the NFL. I don't know how this will possibly work out for the Titans, but we'll see. I guess they got a 3-0 and start, so that's that's why you win your games, because you might have a COVID outbreak. 
few other games in the NFL I want to touch on quickly. I'm going to then turn to you guys, pick a few moments or a game that you want to go over that got your attention this week. And the quick one is Packers-Saints was an awesome game. The Packers look really, really good. And I'm feeling just better and better and better about that being an over nine wins this season. They're 3-0. and I mean, it's just the it's just the uh, Rogers chip on his shoulder that we talked about in August that is just so apparent. Uh, they're firing on all cylinders, scoring points at will. And Drew Brees, I don't know what's going on with him besides Father Time. I've never seen a good quarterback throw so many balls five yards in the air. Uh, they're still moving the ball. They're still scoring points. But it's just when you're going every drive four, five, six yards at a time, it's just not going to It's not gonna work over a 60-minute game. They need Michael Thomas back badly. But really the game that I want to go over this week is Bears-Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons, a week ago, somehow managed to lose a game that was almost mathematically impossible for them to lose against the Dallas Cowboys. So how did that follow it up? How did they follow that up? By losing again in a game that mathematically shouldn't have happened to the Chicago Bears, where they had a 26-10 lead in the fourth quarter, ended up losing not by a field goal, but by a t- by four points, by a 30-26 to margin. And here's my favorite uh, sort of stat line from that game. Uh, the Chicago Bears, when they were down by 16 points, got five possessions in the fourth quarter without having to take any timeouts or recover an onside kick. The Chiefs and the Ravens had one possession each in like two of the four quarters where they just had those eight, (laughs) nine uh, minute drives. Let me say that again quickly. The Bears got five possessions in one quarter without having to take any timeouts or recover an onside kick. And the only way you can pull that off is if the opposing team continues to go three and out. And not only that but just only throws the ball in all those scenarios, and it drives me insane how they're so bad at this. Dan Quinn, I don't know I don't know where this starts, if it's the offensive coordinators, if it's Matt Ryan. When they were up by 16 in the fourth quarter, they could have just run the ball and done three and outs for the rest of the game, and they would have trimmed the number of possessions, they would have trimmed the time and just forced the Bears to use timeouts. It's unbelievable. The Falcons deserve it. They stink. They're 0-3 now. They should have a winning record, and instead they're not going to go to the playoffs because they don't know how to finish games. That's my what's bothering Antonio this week <laughs> is how bad the Falcons are. It, I mean, it's literally historic. Uh, this comes from my colleague Nate Davis and his 32 things uh, recap from Sundays, which is really good. Uh, per Elias, Atlanta is the first team in league in the league's 101 seasons to lose twice in the same season after squandering fourth quarter leads of at least 15 points that is impossible they've done it two weeks in a row it makes no sense i agree like we talked we did our piece about how it's probably time for dan quinn to go uh last week and you know when you 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 circle back and immediately blow another uh 16 point lead in the fourth quarter i don't i don't know what else they need to see honestly i mean it's it, this team is what it is at this point they're choke artists uh the one thing we do have to mention uh regarding hashtag bear down the worst uh 3-0 team in the nfl is uh mitchell trubisky is no longer the starting quarterback of the chicago bears and probably never will be again um they've turned to nick Foles, uh who guided this comeback as the bears just two stunning comebacks in three weeks uh <laughs> to, to 
get victory from the jaws of defeat. But uh, yeah, it looks like uh, Mitch Trubisky's time in Chicago is probably likely done. It's hard to see them going back to him, barring injury to Nick Foles. And uh, we'll have the memes forever about how he was drafted before uh, Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. So that's funny as someone who doesn't really care about the Bears. So <laughs> I enjoy that. Yeah, I I have a just a couple more NFL notes. Um, I I have a feeling Jace is going to want to talk about Josh Allen, so I'm going to leave that one to him. And that game, by the way, Rams are back. They they are back. I, I think anyway. I think that team is very good. But two two games I want to highlight. The first one quickly, and again, nobody wants to hear about your own fantasy team. But the only reason that I've been paying attention to one Arizona Cardinals is because Kyler Murray is my quarterback. And if you like football. Get red zone, get Sunday ticket, whatever you got to do, and watch Kyler Murray. He even had a bad game against the Lions. They lost. He threw three picks. They were all very bad interceptions that he threw. But then he also made Jeff Okuda look like a fool on a juke move that I haven't even seen Lamar Jackson attempt. He is the Lamar Jackson of the West. All they want to do is throw the ball around. And as a neutral, you know, we, we love Lamar. We have Lamar. But you're also half stressed during the game because it's your own team. If you want a little reprieve of that and want to get Lamar light, as it were, watch Kyler Murray and, and the Cardinals. They're a fun watch. The other one I want to talk about real quick, and this whole campaign has already pissed me off. I said it last week, but my God, Russell Wilson is good at quarterback. 27 of 40, 315 yards, and five touchdowns in an incredible game. I mean, we had, we had Dallas-Seattle, a 38-31 win for the Seahawks, and then, as Antonio mentioned, the Packers-Saints game, which was also fantastic, back-to-back, basically, in the late afternoon and then the evening game over here on the East Coast. And you talk about another team that's fun to watch. I mean, Tyler Lockett catches everything around. DK Metcalf, when he's not basically dropping the ball before he ends up in the end zone, or or getting it (laughs) stripped, I should say, is a dynamic receiver for them. Looks like a steal from last year's draft. And Russell Wilson, man, we talked about it last week, but that arcing deep ball he's got and the way he's playing right now, if you're a football fan, and again, we can be neutral because he's over there on the left coast and not in our conference. Watch that team play because, boy, they are fun. And their defense stinks. So they're going to be in a lot <laughs> of shootouts, which is always fun to watch as well. He uh, he has 14 touchdowns in three games, uh, the most ever through three weeks. That's astounding. That's insane. Uh, I, I, I can't even... <laughs> it's i mean it's the most in nfl history through three games so i was gonna say i can't wrap my head around it but it's because it's literally never been done before uh so he's on fire um but just to circle back because tim mentioned it uh second in the nfl and touchdown passes is one josh allen uh quarterback for the buffalo bills who also is uh second in the league in passing yards um it would Everything about that strange, Josh Allen's good, maybe? It's hard to say. They blew a 28-3 lead against <laughs> the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, but uh, when they needed to, they got, you know, he let them down the field, got a very dubious pass interference penalty that kind of seems like we've completed the full circle of P.I. calls from the uh, the Rams-Saints game that created pass interference reviews, and then they got rid of them. Now that we don't have them, a very blatant not a pass interference uh, <laughs> happens to the Rams. It feels like the circle of life. We completed it. Uh, but yeah, the Bills. Nobody circles the wagons. 3-0. and uh, Paulo Torre had a very funny tweet that cracked me up. He said, uh, Josh Allen is if Crazy Taxi was a football player, and I love it. And I couldn't agree more. <laughs> he is just insane. So, yeah, Josh Allen. 
he's an experience. And then final NFL stat of the day. We're not talking about Tampa Bay. We're not talking about Brady. Just very quickly, Mike Evans this Sunday, two catches, two yards, two touchdowns. That's it. No other catches, no other yards, but did score on two one-yard touchdowns. So the connection between Brady and Evans is just flourishing in Tampa Bay. All right, let's move away from the NFL now, and we're going to talk about the rest of the NFL, I should say, and we're going to preview this Ravens football team matchup. Uh, I don't have a ton to say about this game. I think the Ravens are going to win very big. Uh, Haskins, I watched so much of that game. Tim, you were saying you have red zone and it's worth getting and, and using. I don't have that. So really, I Sunday afternoons, I go Fox, I go CBS, and I toggle back and forth. CBS had been blacked out, and I was forced to just sit there and watch... <laughs> football team versus Browns for three hours, and it was so bad. But I did get a preview of uh, Dwayne Haskins, and he stinks. He's inaccurate. <laughs> he stares down his receivers, and he doesn't make good decisions, and turns the ball over. Uh, that's not going to work against the Ravens. Uh, and I think that's, I mean, that's really it. I think the D is going to get multiple turnovers. Uh, the only thing I like about the Redskins is their defensive line is, like, actually scary good. Um, between Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, and Montez Sweat. Chase Young currently listed as questionable. He tweaked his groin in the Browns game. If he doesn't play, they, the Ravens may win by 30. Uh, if he does play, they're going to win by 20. And that, that's my uh, two minutes on uh, the football team. I'll turn to you guys now for your uh, analysis and predictions. Yeah, just real quickly on this, I think I think this comes down, and it's stereotypical for myself, but I really think that the intriguing matchups in this one are coming down to the offense and the defensive lines for both teams. Chase, Chase Young will probably play. I mean, I'm assuming everything, all the reports you're reading, it's a very minor thing. Don't have to worry. Uh, football team fans, excuse me, almost slipped up there. Uh, and it's a, this is a redemption story for the offensive line, who the Ravens' offensive line, who got battered. I mean, we just we just spent. 45 to 50 minutes on how bad that performance was. And a lot of it came down to the offensive line. I don't know if you saw the picture of the pocket was 15 yards back of the line of scrimmage on one play for Lamar. I don't know if you saw it. It's like a meme now going around NFL Twitter, which is just hilarious. Um, Orlando <laughs> Brown has to have a bounce back game. The, the inside guys have to have a bounce back game. Even Ronnie Stanley, who struggled a little bit needs to have a bounce back game. And, this is a good opponent to do it against because in every other facet of football, they stink. But this is the one thing they're good at, so maybe weaken that one part of them and make this very easy. Um, for the for the defensive line and specifically uh, the pass rushers, and, and Wink too. I mean, Jace said it all when it came to old Don Martindale. Let's see if they can create pressure and maybe not even have to use as many blitz packages because – Haskins does stare down guys. I don't know if you saw the video going around this week of in training camp, Thomas Davis, veteran linebacker, literally telling him, Hey, you stare down receivers. Don't do that. Don't throw that ball. We all know where you're going. Please don't do that. And Haskins basically shrugged him off, which is great. Um, but if you're not going to be able to get pressure on this offensive line against this quarterback, that is a major cause of concern. So the, the offense and defensive line, Usually where I'm looking during a game anyway, that's where really I'll be paying attention in this one. Yeah, it's, I mean, 
it's the ultimate get right game for the Ravens. Uh, you know, they're not getting on a plane. Uh, their next three games, in fact, they're not getting on a plane. They play uh, Washington, and then they're home, and then they play the Eagles. So, uh, or uh, yeah, I think the Eagles game is in Philadelphia. Um, so th- they're they're not doing much traveling. They're you know taking a bus down I ninety five. So should have a pretty. Uh, even if it's a short week, I, I agree. I think Haskins, you know, he's not Patrick Mahomes back there. I don't think uh, he, if they do bring the blitz like they normally do, I think they're going to get after him probably. We might see a season high for sacks. Uh, he's not he's not the most mobile quarterback in the world, um, Dwayne Haskins. Uh, so, yeah, I think they're going to get after him. And what Antonio said, Mild concerns about the defensive line. They really got after the Eagles, though. In hindsight, the Eagles stink. So maybe that's not as impressive as we thought at the time. Um, so I, I, I don't see a scenario where they don't win this game by like twenty points. <laughs> it's going to be they're they they are going to be so mad about how bad they played um, because while they did play bad and they as we've said they have called themselves chokers in the past they're still a prideful team uh they still want to play better than they obviously did on monday and yeah i don't i can't think of a opponent that's much better to do it against than a uh very developing qb and a rebuilding franchise and uh it's it's the time uh and lamar i think is gonna go crazy i think everyone got you know ripped lamar a little bit for his 97 yards but uh I wouldn't be surprised if he clears 250 in this game passing and rushes for another 100. So uh, I expect a big win. Okay, on that, because we don't have a ton to say, but Jace, you mentioned it before, this fan base has gotten, frankly, and maybe because we're just in it every day, a little immature and incredibly spoiled. Hand up on that on that latter part especially. But how important is it for not only the psyche of the team, but maybe this fan base who is now just starting to put immense pressure on this team to not only win this game, but win this game convincingly by an immense scoreline, Antonio. I mean, I, I liked your point earlier in the, in the episode about how it would be useful for them to fall behind to a bad team. So they can at least go through the motions of having to come back and win a game. But I just don't think it's going to ha- I think it's impossible that it happens in this game. It, maybe they give up a touchdown and they're down seven to start or something like that. But I I don't think it's important because of how much there's going to be piling on about, well, it was just the Washington football team, one of the worst teams in the NFL. So I think the psyche will be fine. They're going to win by t- I mean, what's the line, right? If they win by 10 points, will that be a cause for concern because they didn't win by more? If they win by 14, will that be, well, everything's fine? So I, I don't know. I, I think it's tough to it's tough to say, but by default, they're just going <laughs> to win by multiple scores here. Yeah, I mean, if we want to just hop right into the line, I am taking the Ravens minus 13 all day. Uh, I, 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 I think... You, Washington's defensive line's solid, but if Chase Young's not there, that's a problem. But there's just, you know, you go through their skill positions. I mean, Haskins was a high pick, but he seems like he's still very much a work in progress. If you're not really in tune with the NFL, I don't know that you'd know a single one of their running backs uh, on this Washington team. You know, your Antonio Gibsons, Antonio Gandy-Goldens, J.D. McKissicks, uh, real murderer's row there. And then... 
Terry McLaurin's very good uh, at wide receiver. He's pretty much, I think, the only concern in the pass game. Uh, Logan Thomas, is a former Virginia Tech quarterback, is their starting tight end. <laughs> so, like, it's just not uh, a super talented team. It's a rebuilding team. This team went 3-13 and last year. Uh, that's not even to mention all the off-field turmoil that, that accompanies this now-renamed franchise. So, uh, I just don't think they have enough talent to really hang with the Ravens. And I think, especially coming off a game where the Ravens played so poorly, I think they are going to come out not even necessarily with something to prove. I think they do want to show that they're still good. Um, but I kind of think just by default, they they play their game like we've seen, we saw in the first two weeks, they hammered the Browns, they hammered the Texans, huge wins. I think they get back to that. There, there's no, I don't see a scenario where they lose this game, <laughs> which maybe that's that's always a scary thing to say with this Ravens team throughout history. Uh, there's been plenty of games. I'm like, yeah, oh, that's a win. They lose. Um, but I, it it is really hard to see them losing this game, especially, you know, not having to travel, uh, it's right in their backyard. Even if it was fans at this game, it would have been 80% Ravens fans. So I, I, it, it's the perfect get right game for me. And I, I think the Ravens are going to cruise. So you're doing Ravens. Sorry. I was just saying you're doing Ravens minus 13. I figured I would hop into my line as well here and no surprise. Yeah. Let's, let's kill them. <laughs> let's just, let's just, and I saw, you know what? I saw a few, and here's what's bothering Tim. All three of us are going this way. <laughs> I saw a lot of Washington fans on Twitter being like, there's nothing better than the Ravens losing. I'm so happy all the hype is done, yada, yada, yada. Your franchise is a joke. They shouldn't even be in, they're not even playing the same freaking sport that we are. You're closer to the Jets and the Giants than you are the Baltimore Ravens. Think about that for a second, because those people are playing peewee football at this point. I mean, they are atrocious. <laughs> So give me the Ravens minus 35 against the football team. Let's go. Um, I won't mention all my other picks from last week because, uh, as I've mentioned a number of times on the show, I am not a gambling man. And thank God, because I lost every pick that wasn't the Ravens pick from last week. But outside of the Ravens, too, um, I have – I talked about them before. Seattle are only seven point six and a half point favorites against Miami, and I know they're traveling, but – Seattle's really good. Their offense is really good. Their defense is or their defense is bad, but Miami's defense is not going to be able to stop the Seattle offense. So give me Seattle minus six and a half. And give me Dallas minus four and a half at home to the Cleveland Browns because people are starting to buy the Cleveland Browns now. I know I'm, I'm picking another team whose defense isn't great in the Cowboys, but I think at home and only five-point favorites against Baker Mayfield. Baker in the spotlight. He's going to make some mistakes. So I'm taking Dallas minus four and a half at home to Cleveland as well. Talking about the Ravens, as I give my pick for that game, there's that 1% trap game scenario where this Washington defensive line is as good as advertised. Ronnie Stanley tweaks his ankle in the first series of the game. And all of a sudden, Lamar is running for his life on every play, uh, and he gets sacked a bunch of times, a couple of strip strip sacks, and he fumbles, and they can't score points, and they're down by two scores, and they can't claw their way back. But that's not the case this game. It's not the case with this team and this Ravens sort of uh, stable of players. It would have happened in the Joe Flacco era, probably. It's not happening <laughs> now. 
I'm picking the Ravens uh, by 13. I think they win. This this game screams 34-17, 34-14 to me, and, and that's going to be a comfortable cover. Um, as for my other picks this week, I've just you know I'm just going to keep saying this until I jinx myself out of it. Currently seven and zero on my pod like a Raven picks to start the season. So if you guys would just have listened to me from week <laughs> one, we could have been just rolling down the river together. But so. My picks for this week outside of that Ravens cover, Saints, I you know, this one I don't love, but that probably means it's a good thing. Uh, Saints minus four at Detroit. I think this line is so skewed by Detroit beating Arizona in sort of a weird game. Uh, I don't think Detroit can win multiple games in a row against good teams, and the Saints are going to score, and I think they cover this game by a touchdown. Um, and so they're going to cover that four-point line. And then I got just a delicious three-team teaser. I've been talking teasers all season. I just love moving the lines. And we've talked about this briefly uh, on the show, so I'm just going to explain it quickly. You take multiple games. All the games have to cover for you to win that bet. But as a sort of reward, you get to move the line by six, six and a half points, whatever. You, you can even move it by more. But the more you move it, the less of a payout you're going to get. So generally, uh, you move the line about six points. I'm doing a three-team teaser, six-point tease. Tampa Bay, I'm moving them from minus seven to minus one against hosting the Los Angeles Chargers, by the way. Kansas City, I'm moving that from seven to one. They're a one-point favorite hosting the New England Patriots after watching Kansas City Monday night, I I don't know how they lose to anybody, so teasing that down. And then I'm double-dipping on the Baltimore Ravens. I'm going to tease them from 13 down to minus 7. So those three things, I need Tampa Bay and Kansas City to win, Baltimore to win by more than 7, and that's my three-team teaser. Lock, lock that teaser down right now because that's going to be my, my, my guaranteed winner of the week. Seems like a tasty Jace, why don't you finish... Yeah. What's that? Seems like a tasty tease, Antonio. <laughs> That's a tasty tease. It's a deliciously tasty tease. All right, Jace, finish up with your uh, other NFL picks this week. So I'm with Tim on the Seahawks. Miami pass defense is very bad. And as we said, Russell Wilson has 14 touchdowns in three games. Uh, so I like his chances of winging it to continue um, in kind of a duel with him and Fitzmagic. Uh, and then the other one I have my eye on is the Green Bay Packers as seven point favorites against the Atlanta Falcons team that, uh, cannot stop blowing games. His defense is very bad again. Uh, and as we mentioned earlier in the show, Aaron Rodgers look awesome this year. The Packers look very good and they're back in Lambeau field. Still no fans. I don't believe yet up in Lambeau, but, um, yeah, I just do not see this Falcons team's ready to quit on <laughs> their coach, I think. Uh, and seven points, you know, it's a bit, but I, if the Packers are as good as they look, they should be able to beat this team by 10. So I, I'm going with the Packers minus seven here, um, just because they've looked really good. and They might be the best team in the NFC in the early going this season. So um, I am going with the Packers as my final pick. All right, last thing left to do here is to recap the random Raven, one more time. This random Raven played for the team from 2014 to 2016. Three seasons with the team. He played in 32 games, starting 16. His best season came in 2015, when he started 10 games, 
had 33 receptions for 412 yards and four touchdowns. He wore number 80 and attended Colorado State University. After those three seasons with the Ravens, he did not play anywhere else, but was in the news somewhat recently for potentially reuniting with the Ravens at a position of need. So I turn to you guys now. Who is this random Raven? I just got to say, because obviously the listeners can't hear this, the ep- or see this, the epiphany that I just had <laughs> has confirmed the fact that I have way too much useless Ravens knowledge <laughs> in this head. Because, Jace, if you don't mind, I had no clue. I couldn't think of the name. I was thinking of another tight end. But this random Raven is Crockett Gilmore. And how that popped up, after you reading the first clue there, when I was stumped the first time, I will have no idea for the rest of the time. <laughs> that's, that's who I had as well. I believe he caught a touchdown in a playoff game for the Ravens. <laughs> Crockett Gilmore, a great name. Wasn't so much of a great player, but a great name. And was potentially going to be that third tight end, I think, after the Hurst trade and uh, the Ravens maybe not loving who they had uh, worked out in the offseason. So they, they thought maybe Gilmore would come back in, but that did not happen. So for now, Crockett Gilmore, just a three-season random Raven from 2014 to 2016. All right, guys, uh, that's going to do it for us. Tough loss uh, against the Chiefs, but the Ravens, they will be back. They lost to the Chiefs last year and went 14-2. and It can still happen this year, and we all three certainly expect good things against the football team next week to get back on track. For Tim Horsey and Jay Sevens, I'm Antonio Barbera. Closing our therapy session episode of Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next week. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.